welcome to Bethel Radio Hour, where Bible study and radio collide. Tonight in our segments, we will be discussing Romans chapter 7, 1 through 6, verses 1 through 6, sharing some current events and conversing about raising children. I am Molly Kingston, your producer, and joining me on the panel tonight is Dr. Gavin Hooks, Ryan Mayberry, and our guest speaker, Jamie Frosser. My father, Ben Kingston, is out on the men's fishing trip, so Jamie has graciously agreed to fill his seat. Jamie, would you please introduce yourself to the audience? Hi, I'm Jamie. Um, I've been attending Bethel since 2009. Uh, got three kiddos at home, and I'm a homeschool mom. Um, yeah, that's what All I do. Right. I Very love good. It. Very mm -hmm. good. Thank you, Jamie, for filling in for Dad. So, a gentleman and lady, riddle me this. What goes up? but never goes down. Price of gas? <laughs> that is an answer, but not the one I'm looking for. Heard this My right age? Over. Ding! It is your age, or age, just in general. <laughs> something that goes up, but never goes down. Unfortunately, wow. to some. First time luck. <laughs> Those in the audience, you don't need to share your answer because we got it right. It's age. Um, we encourage anyone who is online to please comment anything that you would like to say, especially, oh, sorry. That, I got to come up with a better uh, follow-up when you guys get the riddle right. I guess I just <laughs> never expect you to get the riddle right. <laughs> this is the first time. <laughs> yeah. I think we got a ringer. Oh. Yeah. Oh, I thought there was Ben's out time. of a job. <laughs> we encourage you to text any questions or input about all topics of discussions that we broached tonight. The same for those who listen later online. Please comment your answers or your input on the Facebook post and then like and share so others can join in on the fun. Um, so, like I said, we are covering Romans and we are starting chapter 7 tonight, verses 1 through 6. I will go ahead and just read those. And then if we want to break them down, verses, individu like individual verses we can, or we can just talk about the concept as a whole. I do not care. And Dad's not here, so we can do what we want. Uh -oh. <laughs> a change of masters is the title in my book or in my Bible. Know ye not, brethren, that I speak for them that know the law, how that the law hath dominion over a man as long as he liveth. For the woman which hath a husband is bound by the law to her husband so long as he liveth. But if the husband be dead, she is loosed from the law of her husband. So then if, while her husband liveth, she be married to another man, she shall be called an adulteress. But if her husband be dead, she is freed from the law, so that she is no adulteress, though she be married to another man. Wherefore, my brethren, ye also are become dead to the law by the body of Christ." that ye should be married to another, even to him who was raised from the dead, that we should bring forth fruit unto God. For when we were in the flesh, the motions of sin, which were by the law, did work in our members to bring forth fruit unto death. But now we are delivered from the law, that being dead wherein we were held, that we should serve in newness of spirit and not in the oldness of the letter. So... I will admit I dropped the ball a little bit. I wanted to listen. John MacArthur has um, about four sermons or three sermons on these verses specifically, and I had hoped to listen to one of them. I did not get to. But what intrigued me, what the one I was going to listen to, the title intrigued me because it talked about, um, it said, free from the law, yet free to obey it. 
Uh, Jamie, did you listen to that one, yes, too? Yes, I did. I, I got you covered. I got Well, it. great. <laughs> Good. I, I liked the title, though, because, um, and I listened to, I read a little bit of the script of the sermon, and you just talked about how the law is a wondrous thing, and we need to appreciate the law. And then also, like, what I, what I understand from the title is simply that while we are freed from the law because we are now living in a time of redemption through grace, we are now also free to obey the law because grace has redeemed us and we can live a spiritual or holy existence. And while, while the law gives us a, an outline or a guide to who God is and what's important to him. So, so there's some important utility to, the, utility to the law and it shows us that we can't attain a relationship to God through the law. So we can't be perfect by the law because God is perfect. Mm. And this law that describes who God is shows us that we have a gap, that there's a, there's a chasm between us that has to be bridged. Right. And there's so many aspects to this. I, I came at the, the passage like seven different directions, you know, putting in, con in context, there was no need for the law in before the fall. Mm -hmm. So there was a relationship with God there that you could understand who God was by personal relationship. Right. And the law was self-explanatory in that relationship. Then the fall came, and then the need for the law came. So the need for humankind to understand what was important to God, what, what, was, what was his characteristics that he wanted to communicate to us were important. Thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not lie, um, thou shalt not covet. That he respected those things, so we should respect those things. Mm -hmm. And then to determine or come to the conclusion that we can't be perfect without some help. And that relationship is what makes us perfect again. Right. And he made he made the way for us to have that relationship again. So th this there's so many different facets to this right. passage of scripture. Right. Right, which is why I think John MacArthur could make three or four different sermons on yeah, it. Yes, and Wearsby makes yeah. another point on it, too. Yeah. So he comes out of a different direction. Mm -hmm. He makes the point in chapter 6, he, ad he addresses anybody who would be given to license because he shows that the, well, the law is important to give us guide. And in, in chapter 7, he, he makes the point that this is written for people who would be given over to legalism. Mm -hmm. So the law is not going to save you. You're not going to be justified by the law. So right. there's just so many aspects to come at this passage by. Oh. Very good. Jamie, would you like to fill in some thoughts? Um, so, yeah, the <coughs> the John MacArthur sermon, I, quite literally the very first sentence I wrote was, Paul is celebrating the power to obey. Mm -hmm. So very much so what you were saying, um, <coughs> that we can love God as a law um, and as a form of worship. Um, I've never... I've never thought about loving God's law as a form of worship before, so that was kind of a different take. But then I listened to Piper, and you know he yes. he's always quite the opposite of always things. Deep. Yeah, very, very deep. So I listened to Piper, and one of his biggest, my biggest takeaway from his message was for me just to remember where, just exactly where I'm at, and just in comparison to God, which is is nothing. So he said, our flesh outside of Christ is stimulated by sin, I'm sorry, stimulated to sin by the presence of the law. So his example was rules were made to be what? Broken. Broken. So that's a saying among most of us. And, and he um, talks about the law literally stimulates our, our rebellion. So I'm like, wow. So, so we just naturally sin nature to rebel against God's law. Mm. So um, looking into 
you know, realizing that without, without God, we, we can't obey his laws. We have to have him at the center right. to follow his laws. It, it's impossible to do without him. So um, anyway, that was one of my and biggest. That, that law, we talked about it describing God, and, and Jesus even gives us the, the advice, if you want to love me, follow my commandments. If you love me, follow my commandments. Mm-hmm. So following and obeying those commandments are expressions of love to him. Mm-hmm. And then he makes it clear that all of the law and the prophets are based on two commandments, and both of those are dealing with love, loving God and loving others. So at the, at the core of the law itself is love. So, so it's given to us to help us understand what love is and then to help us un, uh, in loving God and having the ability to. That only comes through relationship with him. Good, very good, Jenny. Thank you. That was good because that was, I had a lot more questions than answers coming out of this passage. And one of them was from verse 5 when it says, uh, the sinful passions which were aroused by the law. That threw me for a loop when I read it. I'm like, how would the law cause sinful passions? But it doesn't say cause, it says arouse. So it makes sense, just the whole, you know, rules were made to be broken mentality. That makes sense for that one. But in verse six, I wanted to know what you guys thought. It says, now we have been delivered from the law, having died to what we were held by, after giving the example of the wife being released from the law when her husband dies. Why do you think, or do you have an explanation for in the analogy, the husband dies, but in this analogy, the person who is represented by the wife in the analogy dies. dies. I don't really understand. It, it doesn't make so, sense to me. So um, I will say uh, Piper mentioned that in his sermon. I'm not taking credit for anything he said. I just simply listened. That's all I'm doing. So um, he was talking about um, we literally have to die to ourselves. So we have to die to ourselves. Is that what you're asking? Um, Continue and I'll okay. see. Okay, <laughs> so so it's like we have to die to ourselves in order for us to. Um, so it says, uh, but now we are released from the law by having died to which which held us captive. So dying to our sin, um, so that we serve in a new way of the spirit and now in the old way of the written code. So mm-hmm. my biggest question on that was the written code part. I was a little scripture. Probably. Written code? Is that? Is keep, that? Keep, hold that thought. So, okay, Ryan, I sorry. wonder if just kind of taking that, if it's more of like the husband is not necessarily the law in this. Like when he's talking about this, he's talking about our sin nature. So mm-hmm. what's dying is the sin nature and not necessarily the law. Yeah, I just thought it was interesting that in the analogy that he gives, the husband dies. Right. And, and we are represented as the wife being yes. freed from the husband's, uh, the law of the husband. Right. But then in this verse, he reverses the roles and we're the ones that die. So I, I was curious the explanation for that, if there, if you guys had one, but yeah. I kind of sprung it. So. Yeah. No, no, no. I, yeah, I don't, I don't have one. Uh, I don't think that makes much sense because mm-hmm. even with like thinking that the sin nature, it is not a perfect connection. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I don't know. Would you say that the dead. law is dead. I'm still, I'm still not sure I understand what your question is about so the being the man versus the woman. So he gives does. the whole analogy of, you know, the woman who has her husband is bound by the law to her husband as long as he lives. But if the husband dies, she is released from the law of her husband. Now, in this verse, it says, but now we have been delivered from the law, having died to what we were held by. So the first part makes sense with it. But then having died to what we were held by is opposite of what the whole rest of the analogy is so so unless i'm misunderstanding but if we're the wife then that that's applicable right so if we're the if we're the i mean they're both uh in a vacuum 
they both make sense, but together I'm trying to figure out there's got to be more meaning to it than what I'm comprehending. So, so the wife being held by the law of her husband and us being mm -hmm. delivered from the, the law that... Uh, Having we died to what we were held by. Yeah. So it's so now saying we're dying after it just said after the husband dies. So it's yeah. a little confusing. I even wonder if it's just, I hate to be a cop out, but lost in translation or not yeah, lost in translation, but the, because I think the word is that um, you kept reading it and I was like, oh, maybe it's that because having died to what? To what we were held by so that we should serve in newness of spirit and not in the oldness of the letter. And that makes sense with everything else he said in this letter. As far as, you know, that, dying to your old self. That being dead, that being dead, it makes us think that, oh, now we're the ones that are dead, right, mm -hmm. is where you're looking at. Yeah, maybe that's it. Maybe I'm misreading. I was just curious what you guys thought. But there's there's benefits in dying. This the physical death, mm -hmm. there, there's a benefit to that. I mean, we're no longer held to, I mean, it, it can be a kind of a morbid discussion, but we're, we're no longer held to the responsibilities that we had. We're no longer held to the, uh, our errors, the, the sins that we have committed were no longer held. I mean, the, the death is the ultimate payment for all the sins, and when mm -hmm. we're dead, there's no more payment to do to that. And he, he Paul's making the, the uh, statement here that we died in Christ, so that, that we, we get that benefit up front, mm -hmm. that we're not held accountable to the law, and we're not held by, by the law. But in the previous chapter, he just made the point that you, we are responsible yeah. to the law, so... Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's both sides of the sa same coin. It is, but it's. I think it's uh, also a good example of you got to read the context because if you only read this passage, it makes no sense. But if you mm -hmm. read what he said in the previous chapter, then mm -hmm. separately they make sense, and I think it's just kind of the and way the, he worded it. More yeah, than and remember, this was all one letter. Yeah, there was no, there was yeah. no chapters in it when he first wrote it. So, mm -hmm. so you had to, <laughs> you better have read yeah. the whole thing. Context. He also was talking to people who understood this law better than we do. Mm -hmm. So th it's very possible that they would have understood the correlation better mm -hmm. than we can in this culture, especially like in our own culture. Yeah, especially Jewish people. Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. Are there any more points about this? <laughs> so, yeah, that, that's that's it. Rusby gets into that discussion about chapter six versus chapter seven. It's the you know the flip flip side of chapter six. So. Um, we we have a glorious blessing and that we can live free from the consequences of the law and in the same vein be uh, able to keep the law. So right. right, free from the law, yet free to obey it. Very good. Okay, so we'll go ahead and move on to our current events. And maybe we'll have time for all of us to cover our current event. Does anyone want to go first? I will. Okay. Just, just uh, as a one of those things that you catch in passing, and then you get interested in it. Um, Toyota, the car company, is making strides in advancing their their technology so that they have um, higher efficiency in their engines. So they actually have developed an engine that captures the heat from that the engines okay. pr uh, produces in combustion and uses the heat to produce more efficiency. And they also are, are developing an engine that they they claim, the, the advertisement claims, that it will do away with the need for EVs. So, so electronic vehicles it will be far more efficient and um, sustainable right. type fuel source, but it burns ammonia. So it has an ammonia running engine, so its exhaust is nitrogen and, and hydrogen. 
and that uses that. So I interesting topic. The the whole world seems to be moving towards electronic vehicles and battery operated vehicles, and Toyota's taken a different different uh, stance, which may be the right one uh, because batteries come with a cost too. So right. Well, and then it's also just it boosts the, the competition, helps the economy too when you have multiple choices instead yeah. of just one. Because yeah. I mean, while EVs definitely have some benefits. There's definite negatives too. So it's good to have different options. Other options, yeah. Um, and so being dumb in most things, science as the nitrogen and hydrogen. I'm assuming it's a better thing so to be emitting. So those are natural uh, occurring minerals yes, in, in, the in, the, in the atmosphere. So it, they can the exhaust is not toxic. It's not it's considered good. a. A pollution per se, and they capture some of it so that it's reused. So, yeah. pretty interesting. Awesome. Now is the time to get Toyota stock. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> I, I, have, I get nothing for that. I'll go next. Uh, I had one thing prepared, and then I saw something else on my like right before I left. So the first one was um, that Daily Wire put out their kids content recently, which I'm pretty excited for. Just in time right, for just in Maverick time for Maverick. Maverick. Yeah, it's called Bent Key. They have an app for it. Um, if you are subscribed to Daily Wire, you get it automatically for free, or you can buy it. But it looks it looks really good so far, so I'm excited about that. Uh, called Bent Key is the name of the app. Um, and then the other thing that I saw was uh, I got a notification also from Daily Wire <laughs> right before I came here that uh, some anti-Semitic protesters had stormed the Capitol. So oh, today, um, yeah, our Capitol, oh, wow. yeah, yeah, the you know nation's Capitol. Right wow. before I left, oh I saw it. So I'm just curious if what the reaction, reaction is going to be, if it'll be the same now that right. it's mm -hmm. uh, a different mm -hmm. leaning group. Right, right. I mean, right, sure. so Daily Wire is the one who is reporting on it, so mm -hmm. they use the appropriate word storm. I'm curious to see how the other mm -hmm. media frame it. If it's the worst day since 9-11 all over again. Right, exactly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Oof. <sighs> Jamie? Yeah. Um, so recently I've been helping um, some family, <coughs> the, the senior saints yes. of my family. Um, with their, their retirement benefits. And um, I, through that, found out that the 3.2% increase on Social Security benefits um, on average a $50 increase per month is starting in January. Good for so them. Yeah. I, I, I was kind of shocked because I, I've just, over the years, been told that it it's supposed to be going away. Right. So yeah. The fact that it's That's what I was thinking. Up. I was like, wow, my great-grandkids are paying for that. Right, yeah. right, right. Well. I don't really know. I'm sorry. I, <laughs> I'm pretty pessimistic, <laughs> pessimistic on those kinds of things. We'll write them a thank you note. Right, exactly. <laughs> we'll just leave it. <coughs> well, side note, they also had an increase last year, too. So, yeah. Not as big of an increase. Like, well, it was actually bigger the than the 3.2. Uh, we don't want to get that. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. On um, to you, Molly. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> that is awesome for people who, because I know, I know people who live on Social Security, <laughs> so it's a great thing. It really is. Yeah. Um, Mine. Okay, so I know I talked about a guest two weeks ago now that the government, if they were going to shut down, the Fat Bear contest wasn't going to happen, but it did end up happening. So Grazer is the one who won the Fat Bear contest. And uh, if you, so the article said, after a summer long effort of gorging herself on salmon, a, a brown bear named Grazer has been crowned the champion of this year's Fat Bear a week. This is her first year winning. And uh, she became a crowd favorite because sh she was caught on camera aggressively defending her cubs. <laughs> and so the people are now backing her up. Um, so if you want to know uh, quick tips, fun 
fun facts about brown bears. Um, gaining For brown bears, gaining as much weight as possible during the summer months is a crucial survival strategy. During their up to seven month long hibernation, the mammals generally do not eat, drink, defecate, or urine. Their breathing slows and their heart rate drops from about 40 to 50 beats per minute during the summer to just eight to 19 beats per minute in the winter, per the National Park Service. Still, the bears burn calories, sometimes more than 4,000 per day. By the time they emerge from their dens, they may have lost up to 33% of their body weight. Not all bears hibernate, but in Alaska, where winter temperatures are cold and food may be scarce, most do. So, heard a, a term that is related to this in, in a book I was reading. It's called a winter bear. You ever heard of that term? No, I don't winter think so. Bear. Winter bear. They're bat poop crazy because they didn't get enough food. Enough food, so they're out in the winter time. Right. And they'll eat anything they see. So you they're never desperate. see a winter bear. Mm. Um, so Be interesting. Yeah. That's my new diet plan. It's called the winter bear diet. <laughs> Eat everything you see. No, no, opposite. Well, I'm not, to not be a winter bear. I guess I would be a hibernating so bear. Right. A hibernating, hibernating bear. bear. Yeah, so that's what I need Eat everything in the summer and then lose it all in the winter. Yeah. I don't think that's... No. Christmas okay, and Thanksgiving. Well, I don't know if I can do it. I don't that's know. very hard for the holidays. <laughs> messes up Christmas and Thanksgiving. Right, for right sure. For and then sure. you definitely can't have the summer body, you know. Yeah, for sure. Oh, never summer body it's really <laughs> just a thing I don't think it actually ever happens so I don't think that's true alright <coughs> so the mystery topic I don't know if I told you Brad but we're going to go ahead and add Jamie yes did you bring a mystery topic was that the shower thoughts no okay, okay. don't add Jamie don't add Jamie no. she doesn't okay. have a mystery topic nope not me sorry so it's just Uncle Gavin Ryan and myself We're just waiting. There thoughts. we go. <laughs> <laughs> it's me, Jeopardy music. Oh, okay. Oh, well, there. It's me. You can help me talk about this. Oh. Because I feel like I've talked about it a lot, but Women of Joy. And we, yes. I mentioned, so, so Sacred Rest was the theme, and I mentioned multiple times that they talked about the seven types of rest. I think I really just wanted to um, maybe talk and see what kind of like ways that we can rest because there are seven different areas and you rest in seven different ways to fill those areas of, of um, deficit that you have. So it's like the, the um, I don't know, phrase is rest is about pouring in where you have a deficit. So in the physical, obviously it's easy that you think about the, well, okay, one thing that she pointed out is that you think about what parts of your body is tired. I think a lot of times when we think physical rest, we just go to the general sleeping. But So give the categories again. So physical. Oh, I was just going to go through them all. Like I'm sorry. No, we'll yeah, you're good. And so we will help hopefully hit all of them. But so like physically, she said, think about what parts of your body are tired. So instead of just thinking of, I go to sleep, what are ways that you can rest specific parts of your body? Think about what parts of your So like Ryan, you have a very labor-intensive job. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I have specific parts that hurt all the time. Wrist, you just, <laughs> just don't use it. Your knees, you just right. don't use them. <laughs> right, exactly. So whatever hurts, you just don't use that part has been my experience. You just mm -hmm. let it sit for a while. You got to move it around a little bit so it doesn't get stiff. But at a certain point, you're going to get stiff regardless. So mm. just not over. <laughs> Never ice. <laughs> don't do icy hot. Don't do any any kind of thing. I like personally that. don't. I mean, yeah. I'm just curious. Mm. Mm -hmm. No, take a Tylenol, nothing. Don't mm -mm. take them. No, I'm... 
I don't. I try to avoid medicine as much as I can. So I usually don't even that's, take. That's good practice. But when you get to be my age. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I'm not. I'm not saying you know it's looking wrong through for everybody the medicine all the time, cabinet. I and that's I when we start talking about holistic methods of. Yeah. So so ice, you know, ice packing, and um, I think I shared last week or week before I went to physical therapy for the first time in my life, yes. and I'm a huge believer now. Um, just putting heat on it, my just putting heat on my neck. For they put you a heat pack on your neck for the first. I think it's like a five-minute thing. Mm -hmm. And man, oh man, that alone just starts to bring the tension out and, mm -hmm. and you get to relax. And then after that, they start working on you. So, right. so putting heat on whatever is aching or mm -hmm. sore, um, it dilates the blood vessels to that area. It starts getting blood flow into it. It helps you relax. It's um, a good strategy for whatever's hurting you. They, right. they do that on any... So, the guy next to me hit was his knee. They put a heat pack on his knee. The lady had a shoulder injury. They put a heat pack on her shoulder. So, heat packs everywhere. I know, like massages. Um, dad, like me and dad, both have bad backs, so that's what we do a lot. And he has bad shoulders, so like I'll give him a shoulder massage. So it's the same thing to relax those muscles, to stimulate the cells and things like that. Um, I think there's a lot of times we don't give our body the rest that it needs outside of like, again, what we think of is just going to sleep at night. So the next category, did you have something you wanted to say? Or no, no ma'am. The next no, category, mental. So she talked about a few things. So like you could have monkey brain, which means you just have a lot going on <laughs> in here. Uh, one of the things that she talked about is to keep a notepad by the bed. Mm -hmm. well, mm -hmm. How would you think you would get rid of monkey brain personally? I don't like the notepad by the bed thing. Mm -mm. For me personally, when I get that way I just I I need to go to sleep and just shut it off reset in you the morning and it force it comes a lot smoother in the morning as works for me yeah the the notepad by the <coughs> the notepad by the bed side is key to me so so I wake up at two in the morning because I forgot something mm -hmm. <laughs> and my brain wakes me up at two in the morning oh my gosh I forgot that so I write it down then I can go right back to sleep I don't have to try to remember it keep it so. in yeah. One thing she mentioned is that she will have it by the bed and she'll write it down and then she'll move it mm -hmm. further away from the bed. And so then if something comes up again, especially if it's I don't like, like that idea. especially that if it's the same thing. <laughs> if you're trying to stop having the monkey brain, then yeah. you're reinforcing it because you 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 got to you got to write down the thought and then you've got to move the pad and then you're waking up in the middle of the night trying to remember where the pad is <laughs> and write the thought down. <laughs> it sounds like it's <laughs> <like laughs> <just laughs> making it worse. Brain, yeah. Her thought was especially if it was like a specific reoccurring thought so if you were thinking about one thing continually, it was the physical representation of putting it out of your brain. So you would write it and then you would move it. And then each time it came back, you would move it further away so that hopefully, eventually, it would be so far out of your <laughs> mental reach that it wouldn't be there anymore. Again, like this is that was her thing. Works for her. Right, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Like, I don't know if I would like the notepad by the bed. Ultimately, I think it's just because I'm potentially lazy. I don't, once I'm in bed, I don't even want to. Now, I have woke up, woke up in the morning and read it and thought, I had monkey brain last night while I was writing this. Right? So <laughs> what, what is this? I have no idea. I have a genuine problem multitasking. Yeah. Um, with some things, not everything, but for me, if I am, I've got a lot going on in my brain. I, I'm a list maker. If I can just make a list of what I've got to do to get it off my head, and then I can listen to music, and I, I can't, I can't think about the words of the music and sing the songs and like relax myself without also thinking about the things I got to do. Mm. So for me. She talked about meditation in that, too. Yeah, I have that um, down there. <clears throat> so meditation, she mentioned, like, 
I wasn't. I was a little confused when she mentioned the part about the word chair. No, the that meditation is, I guess, a, a, a no-no oh, well, word. Yeah, well, because of of its link with other religions. Right? Oh, okay, gotcha. So, um, but anyway, yeah, I've, I've never been good with the meditation thing, but I will say that if I can play music, not even if it's music without words, just something for my brain to focus on other than all the m right. stuff in my brain. So. Right. But definitely lists. Funnily enough, I have thought before that I would I would like to squeeze Buddhism into Don't do it. Christianity. No, but it was because of just how their meditation and the calm, like So, the, so focus. the Bible does tell us to meditate though, but Yes, on what? it does. And that's why like when I was in that world religion class, I was like, oh, that's very similar. I could so. use some of their physical, like, you know, actually setting and being, like, having no word and in you music. Do have to mm -hmm. would to be meditate correctly, to meditate. you do have to clear your mind. So, yeah. so if you're going to meditate on God's word, you have to clear your mind, and yeah. it will do some cleaning on its own. Mm -hmm. So it'll, it'll clean house, too. Right, yeah. God's it, word. It yeah. will. Yeah, yeah exactly. Will. So yeah. if you memorize God's word and you're able to recite it, that's a lot of times I try to go to sleep at night. For sure. Each chapter. Yeah, yeah. And then, obviously, prayer. Oh, yes. for, I was for just mental. about to say prayer. I, I literally pray myself to sleep every night. Um, and, and something interesting oh. that she said is the ears open, mouth closed. Mm -hmm. So pray and then pause and reflect, like Selah. So during your prayer, you also need to be listening for the voice of God. It's that monkey that keeps making noise it's in my the head. <laughs> distracts me. Monkey brain. Okay, social. How do you rest socially? This one. For me, it's pretty easy. Just sh shut my door. <laughs> Keep out. <laughs> Don't answer the phone for a while. Yeah. yeah I struggle with social this one. Media. I'm, I'm a social butterfly. I enjoy people. I enjoy interacting with people. And quite literally, it's probably the biggest struggle as a stay-at-home mom for me. Mm -hmm. I, you Nine times out of ten, you will find me talking to my neighbors or talking on the phone or bugging my husband at work downstairs. Like, I'm like, talk to me, talk to me, talk to me. I need, I need interaction. I need time. So... I'd, I've never really felt the need to escape right. from that. So. so you're maybe a person who just needs little social rest. Yeah, like for, sure. for sure. For uh, sure. Someone said, I put the do not disturb on on my phone. Yes, for sure. Yeah, I, I, if I get in the woods, I'm, I, I need about an hour in the woods a week at least. Right. Yeah, a recharge time. Uh, one thing she said on this one that I wrote down is everyone in your life can't be people that need you. Jesus had the masses, the disciples, and the inner circle. Uh, so he had different levels of social circles. Um, and different, like the first sentence, different levels of need. So the masses obviously needed him greatly through healing and through teaching. The disciples needed a lot from him from teaching. And then the inner circle needed less. Uh, but still, still needed some. Don't fight against the love. Oh, and then also the don't fight against the love you, you need. So that was an interesting thing too, under the social. Well, give a give an example of that. Fight against the love you need. I think he's. What, it's what along the lines. It sounds to me anyway. It's along the lines. Of it's not good for a man to be alone, just because you may be an introvert, don't necessarily feel like going out around people. You still need to anyway. That's what it yeah. sounds like. Yeah, and that's kind of like gotcha. the introvert thing. Is gotcha. like yeah, sometimes yeah. I just don't want to, but sometimes you need to. And she yes. she did hit on the part of having your. Um, your church body and and having that she mentioned you know during covid we all reclused in and and decided to do online services and things and and there's still people that are still doing that 
because they don't think they need that village in their life when in fact that scripturally it, it calls for it. It, it it god says this is a need even if you are an introvert you need to have a church you need to have um, you need to be involved. You need to have a small group or a Sunday school group or something. Well, and I think even it's like the different sides of the same coin. So you need social rest, and sometimes that means that you withdraw, and some that mean sometimes that means you go into a social situation, especially one that's trusted, like a church, right. church body. Um, emotional, Ere- resting emotionally, the ability to be open with how you are feeling with a person, or journal. If you're not going to talk to someone, you can also write it. This one makes me chuckle. Again, I'm an open book. Ask me anything, and I'll tell you what you want to know. So I'm Sometimes don't really struggle, struggle with that one. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it is an true. Over-sharer. I am an oversharer. <laughs> my mom always says, think before you speak. When I told her I was going to do this tonight, I'm sure she had lots <laughs> of anxiety about it. I'm sure. So emotion, em, say the, the emotional rest? Emotional rest. The ability to be open with how you are feeling with a person. I just see in worship that I get. I feel like I get emotional rest in worship, so in worship service, mm-hmm. or, re, or re, rejuvenation, or mm-hmm. I'm not sure that's the right. right well, like Ryan has it. mentioned, how powerful music is. I, I think, and it, it is an emotional language. Music is like when you're taught, when you are going through the classical training of music, they tell you that you need to bring out the emotion, mm-hmm. um, even if it's not an emotion that you are technically feeling. So it, music is very emotional. I think that makes sense that it would, you know, come out and worship. Rejuvenate, relax. It's almost like the heat. A cleanse. On my neck, it's a know. cleanse. Yeah. yeah. Creative. So creative rest. Can we, can we hold on? I'm just really curious. Ryan, do you have an emotional rest? Emotional. <laughs> I was more confused by because emotional rest to me does not mean sharing your emotions. It means more like calming the turmoil in mm-hmm. your emotions. So I think that's what she's saying is that you can calm the turmoil of your emotions by sharing by them. Sharing. And if it's not and with a person... And that was definitely at a woman's conference that that was... Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it could be with That's a journal. Funny. It could be with a journal, too. So, like, there are, like, yes, obviously, I think women are more prone to share those emotions mm-hmm. with other women. Uh, but men need that emotional release, yeah. too. It's going to be different, mm-hmm. and it's going to happen in different ways. Like, it's different yeah, emotions I'm, I'm in different ways. I'm not saying you shouldn't share your emotions yeah. if you're not a woman. I'm just saying there are differences between the two. Oh, for oh, sure. For, but, sure. Yeah. for me, yeah. uh, as far as emotional rest, is, is more if there's a problem that's causing the turmoil, then figure out the solution the problem, for them. Right, yeah. Which, to me, also is more of the man's thing than the woman's thing. Trying sure. to solve the problem rather than just hear the problem. <laughs> Um, no, I, I'm not saying I would, I would agree. Yeah. It hurts, but I would agree. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, what I was thinking, though, is she actually has been approached by, was it, it was a branch in the army. Yes. Right? I can't remember, not a branch in the army, but like yes, a, section a section in the in army. Mm-hmm. It was like the, the top tier. So whoever they mm-hmm. are, the top tiers in the army, they reached out to her because they wanted her to try to teach the men how to be rested even when they can't physically rest. So I, I'm curious if she writes a book like that, like it, you know, that would be something for the men for sure. Yeah, yeah. I, I think men learn to do it in different ways. Yeah. yeah. Um, and to, if a man's going to be honest with himself, he has to rest and recoup. Um, in the mindset of a man is to protect, to provide, to to mm-hmm. watch out for. And y- y- if you don't take a step back from that periodically and re- rejuvenate and get some perspective, mm-hmm. y- y- you don't do any of it well. Right. Mm-hmm. So, so I don't know if 
they're trying to to train the men to do that in a different way. Right. But, but successful men usually have already learned that in a way that's successful helpful to them. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Helps mm -hmm. them. Yeah. Helps them revive and get. Um, and it's not always healthy. I, I mean, you know, in the, in the secular world, it's you know alcohol or or you know fighting or whatever. Right. It might, might be a different way that they just emotionally cleanse Some kind or whatever. Of, yeah, release. And, uh, get it out. But the successful people learn how to do it in, in a way that helps them be better. Right, and helps others. You know, ultimately. Uh, so creative. We also need rest in the creative area. So you rest creatively when you appreciate beauty, and you spend creative energy when problem solving. So if you ever go through a time in life where you have a lot of problems that need solving, you need to take a creative rest. I really liked this because I think it gave a really good uh, support for vacations. Because <laughs> that's when you appreciate, that's yeah. when I appreciate yeah. beauty because yeah. I want to go to places like the mountains. I want to go to the beach. I want to like, mm -hmm. I, I could, while going to like, uh, Parks, not parks, like national parks, but like um, I'm just thinking of Silver Dollar City because that's where I'm going to soon. Mm -hmm. But like those things are not always what I want to go to. I really just want to go and appreciate the beauty. I want to I want to do the hiking trails in Colorado and things like that. I, so for me, I was like, oh, so you're saying I can take vacations and they're they're supported. So uh, this is one of those areas that I think and, and it, it could be a vacation. It could be just a trip to to St. Louis to see um, like the boat show <coughs> or. Or if like you five, have a yeah. if you have a curiosity about something, satisfying that curiosity can be very refreshing, mm -hmm. and it can be a mental rest, it can be emotional rest, it can be a creative rest. Um, to go and see how other people do things and new inventions, new ideas about something that you're interested in can be very uh, rejuvenating. Which is um, funny too, because in that instance, you can be being creative while also. Uh, creative resting, as she said. Oh, yeah. As long as it's something different than just the day-to-day, -day, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. providing yeah. and whatnot. Yeah. Right, exactly. Like when I, like, I just think in quilts, because, like, I've been to a store and admiring those quilts is nice, but then mm -hmm. also making the quilts is a creative rest mm -hmm. for me. Because yeah. I am, mm -hmm. even though I... Seeing what helps are out there, seeing what other, you know, ways to do the craft. Right, exactly. It, it's all rejuvenating, you bet. And then the last one, we'll finish real fast, is sensory. Um, and it was interesting to me that she brought it up because in my work, we work a lot with kids who have sensory def deficits or even overloads. When you are surrounded by noises all day, you use sensory energy. Um, and Jesus retreated to empty spaces. So when he retreated, he would go to the desert or he would go to the woods. And you go to those places so the voice of God can move. Yeah, my, my place is the woods. Yeah. My sensory energy release is every day from one to three. When it's nap time. Nap time. Nap time. That's <laughs> a perfect time. <laughs> yes. All, even electronics, though. Like, during that time, it does me a great good to put my phone down, put music off, like, TVs off, everything, and just, especially lately with it being so beautiful outside, like, just opening the windows, letting the fresh air and the wind, and just, and just... Yeah. Not doing anything for a minute. Yep. Not even laundry. Sensory rest. Nothing. No, no dryer, no washer machine, nothing. It's really nice. You should try it. I'm at work at that time. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll do it another time. Oh. When I'm sleeping. Yeah, there you go. So <laughs> I'd, be, I'd be all about taking the nap. Right, exactly. Yeah. I didn't it's say it doesn't well. end in that. I've never <laughs> right. said that. 
be a great sensory rest for me. <clears throat> mm -hmm. Do you have anything to add for the sensory rest? Not much. Just go to sleep. Go I mean, to sleep. <laughs> right, right. Because when, when you're I've asleep, been at noises. work all day and we've got saws and jackhammers yeah. and dust mm -hmm. and just constant the sun and everything all day. It's nice. Just go home, yes. take a shower, and sit down. <laughs> yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. Awesome. Sorry, we went a little bit over time. My bad. Shower thoughts. Who would like to share their first shower thought? I didn't have. I couldn't think of anything on my own, so I, I. Uh, did you Google There's shower no thoughts? There's no shame in this. I did. I, I dove into the scum that is Reddit and found a couple that were. I know that's great. I love it. And uh, I found out even more than I already knew how many dumb people there are on Reddit. These so-called so profound thoughts that right. they had on the shower thoughts subreddit was. I was. It was strange how not profound they were. But anyway, there was a couple that were pretty decent. Uh, one is you're not afraid of being alone in the dark. You're afraid of not being alone in the dark. Ooh, yeah. I feel like that's pretty accurate. Yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah, you're right. That's deep. Okay, <laughs> Uncle Gavin? So, so th this, one goes, uh, this one goes way back for me. So Frank Turek's book, uh, Stealing from God, this thought, thought process started. He makes the case very well that the universe is guided by laws, and because there are laws, there has to be a lawgiver. So that, that lawgiver, there, there has to be a mind, a, an intellect behind laws to author them and to put them into, into being. It has to be a powerful, intelligent being. So he, he, it just occurred to me that even, so he, he refers to the laws of logic a lot. That's one of the law mm -hmm. categories that he talks about that have been in existence since before time. And because they exist, then a lawgiver exists. And it occurred to me that in these laws, I don't, I'm not a huge student of the laws of logic, but I know a few of them. And I know when, when you break some of them, they're, they're easy to understand that you've broken a law of logic. Even in the laws of logic, it, God, when he laid them out, he forbade his exclusion. So when you try to prove that there is no God, you use the laws of logic to make the argument. Mm -hmm. But you, there's no way to prove a negative. So in the laws of logic, there's no way to prove a negative. So you cannot, there's no way to prove that there is no God. Right. So the reason you can't pr uh, prove the negative, so the, if you say, I know that there's no God, that means that you know that there is nowhere in the universe a God. You've right. looked under every rock, you've looked into the matter of everything that's in existence, and you know that there's no God. So essentially, you have to be God to know that there's no God. So that you, even the laws of logic have forbidden the exclusion of God. And even more basic than that is you don't even have the ability to reason if all there is is the physical plane. That's right. So you, you have to overcome that before you even get to the... The fact that you can't yep. disprove them. Have you have you read Frank? Mm -hmm. that, that I have. That's one of those books I have to keep reading. Mm -hmm. I have to read it the chap, chapter over again, and then I'll two weeks later I have to read it again. I was about to say I'm, a, I'm my a brain's a little bit about to explode just <laughs> from that little episode. <laughs> I I get what you're saying. Uh, what popped in my brain is I saw a little um, video one day about how it is believed that we really only know one percent of the knowledge that there is to be known. Yeah. Or, or less. Right, which is part of Because we don't like, know how much is there. Right, <laughs> so right, which to me is like, well, that makes sense why then you can't prove a negative because there's so much you just don't know. There's no way to know everything. Yeah. Jamie? That was like a, that was like a Piper moment. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh. 
Um, so mine's a, a lot less a lot less spiritual. So um, mine says the frustration of a teacher. Um, there are 923 words that <clears throat> break the I before E rule, yep, but only 44 of them actually follow the rule. Why do we even have the rule? <laughs> and why is it the one that sticks with us, too? Because that's everyone knows that rule, but it's the least applied. It's, it's the least yeah. followed. And let me tell you guys, English is not easy to no, teach. No, it's not fun. I'll be real honest. <sighs> like, I'm... I'll be teaching one of our kids, and I'm like, I'll just be real. I don't. This makes no sense. <laughs> no, yeah. I don't understand this. Uh, I'm just gonna tell rule. you this is what it is, yeah. and that's just what you yeah, gotta accept. Just, I can't explain it. Mm. We just gotta move on. I, just, uh, I saw yeah. something that English is the the bully language who beat up a whole bunch of different language in the back alley and stole everything <laughs> they wanted from it, and so yes. that's why we just have yeah. a whole bunch of random rules and yes. things right. and words. Um, well, so Ryan, you cracked me up about the Reddit comment and people <laughs> being dumb because I love that. I <laughs> love just the dumb because it really you really shouldn't think too much about mm -hmm. most of the things you're thinking but then to go off on the tangent and just be like okay but really like what? So my one of my favorite things and it actually started because we watched a documentary on Area 51 at the Hooks' house and I just like I think the more important question is what are they hiding at Area 52? <laughs> <laughs> like we know about Area 51. That's how about, here's another one. Right. How many areas are there? How, right, how exactly. And that's what came up too. There? Is how many? Like, okay, wait. Are there? Is there a one through a fifty? And there is <laughs> oh, apparently. Oh, oh. Yeah. So it's like, what in the world? Okay, but uh, what happened at Area One? They had to move on. Wait, right, exactly. Something bad There's happened something, there. Something's I going learned on. in I learned in the women's conference that in order to have this conversation, Tara Yerke needs to be here. So oh. oh, yes. She is. She's we've, her and Molly, they got it. They've got it. I just like throwing stupid things around. <laughs> Tara's actually very smart about things. I just, I like uh, big statements um, that make very little sense, but with a lot of emotion. Okay, so we're going to go ahead and jump in. So the book that we are covering again this year is Have a New Kid by Friday by Dr. Kevin Lehman. And we're trying to finish up <laughs> the this Tuesday yep. chapter. Um. And so we had, we, this chapter is all about the ABCs. So he breaks down attitude, behavior, and character. Um, what page did we stop on? We stopped on the mountain versus the molehill. Mm -hmm. So 46 is where we're picking up and where he starts talking about how character is number one. That character is what really counts. It's who you are when no one is looking, which I think most of us have seen on posters around schools and Mm. Everywhere reminds me of a quote from Dennis Prager. Is he talks a lot about how a lot of parents instead uh, they focus more on their kids' self-esteem than their self-discipline. So I feel like it mm. applies a lot here too. Trying to make the kid feel better about themselves, mm -hmm. never be ashamed of anything, right. be proud of who they are, instead of mm -hmm. being self-disciplined in spite of who they may be. Right, yeah. exactly. And I, um, I've been the person. I think shame helps. A little bit of shame mm. goes a long way and helps in if you're not ashamed, you're making not yourself better. Right, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And it helps sure. you make yourself better. So, uh, like you said, good character can be reinforced in a very natural, positive way. And ca character is one of those things that I think is better caught than taught. So if, they, right. if you're teaching character and you're in blatant disregard of it in your regular life, that's not going to stick with your kids. Mm -hmm. right. Mm -hmm. right. If you're, you're telling your kid not to say a bunch of cuss words and then mm -hmm. they catch you doing it behind closed mm -hmm. doors, yep. mm -hmm. which they will. Uh, yes, of course. They're not going to tell you. Well, to lie. Yeah. one of his examples of that, and no judgment, I'm, I'm just saying what the book said, um, but he said, when you call out to work, 
because you told your boss you were sick, mm-hmm. but then take your kids out for a fun day. Like, depending on your kids' age, they might catch on to that, and you quite literally are providing them a not-so-great okay example. Yeah. Action, yeah, I mean, there. so, and he mentioned, he said, your behavior comes through in your actions. So um, <clears throat> your, your inner, your heart issues come through in your actions. Well, we kind of mentioned that, that he talks about all these things, about how maybe to help your child with these things, but then, really, the best way to help your child is to better yourself. So, to make sure your kid has good character, you need to have good character. I think I did a disservice to Megan, Sarah, and Caleb in that I didn't let them see my struggles with the Lord, Mm -hmm. my struggles Mm -hmm. with my spiritual struggles with life in general, uh, and and just state them openly. So, Mm -hmm. So, I think it's okay for kids to see a fail as mm-hmm. long as you ad- you admit it was mm-hmm. a failure mm-hmm. and you move on and, and you you acknowledge it as a, as a moral failure and take the right steps to correct it. Right. I, I think that that's those are even more life lessons because it's painful to admit that you've done something wrong right. and then sometimes even more painful to make it right because mm-hmm. you have to go to the person that you wronged mm-hmm. and say, hey, I, I, I lied to you, I shouldn't have lied to you or I, I took this from you and, d- and Either I'm intended to take it from you and I shouldn't have, or it was an accident, or whatever the case may be. As long as you're being honest and, yeah. and the struggle is real, I think your kids will respect that because right. you're coming back to the standard. Right. And on the same, on the self-discipline part, same thing applies. I, I have a very good friend of mine. Um, she's a phenomenal lady, phenomenal mother. I, she's a mentor for me, and she told me, you know, there's things in her life she just doesn't want to do. She, she doesn't want to go bake a pie and take it to the to the sick neighbor next door she she'd much rather do something for herself in that moment and she said i take that time as a teachable moment with my kids i say i don't want to make our neighbor a pie right now i don't want to but i'm going to because that's what the lord has called us to do and and you know i'm exhibiting to them i'm choosing to do what god has called me to do even though i don't want to and and letting your kids see that mm-hmm. Um, and I, I'm right. I'm I, I'm not that good, guys. I'm not that good. I do think it is very important to mm-hmm. show your struggles as a yeah. parent, because and I think it's good to start young, <laughs> because mm-hmm. I that's like Dad has talked about it a lot of times that the first time I realized that he's not the perfect human that I thought he was was very traumatizing for both of us, mm-hmm. and so. I, I think it is very important. Just from speaking from personal experience, if I had known from an earlier age just the struggle that life is in general, I would have been much less prejudiced. I think I would have been a lot more forgiving of myself and of others and, and just understood that life, I, like I was probably living a lot more in a bubble than I realized and you know that it popped that day and it just kind of shook the world. So I think that is very important. Uh, Some of the things that he mentioned about characters, character is not only everything, it's the only thing in the long run. It is the foundation for your attitude and behavior. Um, He throws out some simple strategies like let reality be the teacher. This is a big one. Don't Don't rescue your kids from the consequences of failed responsibility. And that can mm-hmm. include adult kids, too. I know mm-hmm. some yeah. adults that their parents still bail them out. Mm-hmm. They're, they're 30-something years old, and their parents still swoop in to save them if something goes wrong. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think, like Uncle Gavin has said, that pain is a really 
the sooner that you can relate pain to failure is the better because mm-hmm. they'll start realizing that, oh, I shouldn't do this because it brings pain. Mm-hmm. Um, also, learn to respond rather than to react. Mm-hmm. Our emotions get the better of us, and we speak or act without thinking first. Instead of reacting, respond by saying, tell me more about that, which I thought was interesting. I liked that, mm-hmm. that and approach to it. I, I'm going to, this is one of those moments I probably should keep my mouth shut, but I, I think that I have failed in a number of instances where, where I should have just said, you know, pick which one, one of my kids. We, we could be having fun right now if, if you would just take the responsibilities that are yours and do them and I wouldn't have to follow up on them. Mm-hmm. We, we could be advancing our relationship and fun things now if you if you could just take care of that and we don't just have to revisit this mm-hmm. same failure over and over again. And I always hear my words being repeated to me from the Lord. Right. You know, we could be moving on in our relationship <laughs> if we would get past this failure that you're having over and over again. Um, so, so I should have said things like that. I mm-hmm. should have said things like that in, in, a, in an adult tone. I think the sooner you talk to your kids like responsible adults, whether they are far from that or not, the sooner they will embrace that they will be Responsible adults don't make them feel dumb, mm-hmm. right? Even, yeah. even if they are, it, it occurred <laughs> don't to me that be demeaning to them. And you know, I, I I consider myself the the chimpanzee of the kingdom. I think I learned a lot of the negative talk from adults that talked that, that talked down to me or, or um, made fun of me or said said you know things that were demeaning to me. And I'm not saying I didn't deserve them, and and I should have been talked that way. But sometimes it was just jiving stuff. You know, it wasn't. It was wasn't um, productive. Yeah, yeah, and and um, derogatory nicknames, that right, sort of thing. Right. You can learn a lot of bad self-talk by people talking to you that way. So I think the sooner you talk to your kids as responsible adults, and peop- talk to them like you want, they're the person that you want to respect. Right. <laughs> so don't. They almost immediately start feeling the pressure to be that person Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. one of the um i'm a huge kevin lehman fan so um i have read his books many a times um but in the back of that book that mountain versus molehill he mentions um there is (coughs) um examples ask dr lehman section of the book um and you can actually um look at that mountain versus molehill situation and for me it was huge because Man, I can't tell you how many times, remembering that saying in the back of my head, my mom always said, in a year from now, is this going to matter? And a lot of times with children, it's it's a heart issue. It's not necessarily what they're doing. It's their motive behind what they were doing. And that's what needs to be addressed. So, um, and he mentions that and figuring out if it's a heart issue that needs to be addressed versus just a teaching moment. Um, But sometimes it's even both. So, um, but yeah, I... Yeah, good book. Everybody yeah. should read it. Mm-hmm. Um, so just to kind of wrap it up, that the most important thing is that you use consistent action, not words. You don't embarrass the child on purpose. You correct the behavior. You keep the tennis ball of responsibility in his court, not yours. There is no harassing, no threatening, no warning. There's no reminding, no coaxing. There are no put-downs because no one wins with put-downs. Um, but as you work together on attitude, behavior, and character, you can work your way toward a relationship that's mutually satisfying. So on Tuesday, he just says, 
These are the things to think about. What is your attitude towards your kids? How does your behavior reveal your attitude? What changes do you need to make in your behavior towards your children? And what kind of character do you want to be known for? And how can you get there? Mm-hmm. So those are the thoughts on Tuesday. Next week, we'll tackle Wednesday. Um, so, Uncle Gavin, do you have a pro- Proverbs or Psalm for us? Psalms. Psalms 107.20. And uh, I, I don't think it's a secret that I, I have a deep passion and lifelong love for the Word of God. And I think it's a direct answer to one of my my grandmother's prayers about the Bible that she gave me. Her prayer was in that Bible. This is Psalms 107.20. Um, I believe that we have a lot of mental illness that could be helped, if not healed, just by studying God's Word. Um, in Psalms 107.20, it says, He sent out His Word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. Uh, let them thank the Lord for His steadfast love, for His wonderful, wondrous works to the children of man. God's Word, if you dwell on it and study it, will heal as well as bless. Very good. Thank you, Jamie, for filling in for Dad. And thank you guys for joining us tonight. Make sure you invite your friends, neighbors, and relatives to next week and share the word on all of your socials. Thank you and good night. Good night.